Well, you know, I heard this story about, this was back in my journalism school days, but I had heard this story about a woman whose kid was like 10 years old or something, and he'd been watching TV, and a commercial came on, and it was for the Apple crazy ones, and like super iconic work, everybody loves it. And this woman watched her kid watch the commercial, and at the end of it, he turned around, and her son had, you know, kind of been bullied in school and was a little bit socially awkward. And so he turned around to her at the end of the commercial and said, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. And that's like a 10-year-old kid. And so the woman had written a note to Lee Clow at Shiat Day and said, you know, thank you so much. That commercial actually changed the way my kid sees the world. And I just thought that was so awesome. And, you know, obviously we're all chasing spots like that that are just super iconic. But it made me realize that advertising, whatever form it took, could actually impact people in the world way beyond just selling brands and could make people kind of change the way they thought about other people and how they look at everyday life. And I thought that was super powerful. So that kind of got me excited about advertising beyond sales and something that could be a positive impact on everybody. I'm Kate Hiranaka. I'm Chief Strategy Officer at Be Real. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World. Hosted by The Drums America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. I always, I always like it when people pick this one. What do you think others believe your superpower is and what would you say your superpower is? Because sometimes those two roads meet, sometimes they don't. I think people probably think my superpower is being super on in presentations and really helping get people excited about the work which is cool and it's obviously super flattering. But I think that what my actual superpower is, is listening. I think that, you know, a lot of times we focus so much on what we want to say and we get all planned and practiced in that. But what helps me be strong in conversations is actually just listening to what the other person's actually saying, because sometimes what we say and what we mean are different. And I try and pick up on how people are communicating and kind of what it seems like they feel. And that just helps me be a little bit more tapped into a conversation there. Well, what's interesting is I get a sense from you that you definitely are more, this industry, let's put it this way. Let me phrase it this way. This industry can kind of be, you know, just, you know, (laughs) everything is, everything is a crisis. Everything is drama, but you have a very level head. Is that something that you've built over time or is that just something natural to you? I think it's actually, it's built over time. And it's almost a little bit more like how ducks are, you know, treading super fast underwater, but they look cool from above. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've got <laughs> nice a little bit of Nice reference, by the way. Yes, thank yeah. you. Go ducks. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's something that I've come into a little bit more. And it just comes with reps and experience and at-bats. And you kind of start to realize a little bit more perspective of just none of this is really a crisis or an emergency. And I think when you get to that, you can actually see the real fun in this job, in this industry. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to keep a level head and I'm happy that people think that I have one. I have my moments just like everybody else. Oh, sure, we all do. Yeah, yeah. When are you at your best and why is that? I think I'm at my best when I'm around a team of people that I feel really supported by. Like, there's just so much power in not being afraid to say the stupid thing Mm -hmm. or, you know, just actually let it rip and say the stupid thing to get to the good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we underestimate sometimes the power of just 
like emotional security with your team. So when I'm in a room or on a call or wherever with people that I feel supported by, I think that's when I can really be my best and hopefully give them the space to be their best too. I think we just got to, none of this stuff ever happens on its own. And I really believe that you need a good team around you to do it. That's interesting. I'm seeing, and this is just purely anecdotal, is that I'm seeing that that at least on the agency side of things, that there is now this push where people feel as though they can be, I'll use a buzzy word here, empowered to actually say the dumb thing and not feel as though that we're being penalized. I find that cognitive dissonance between it's like, well, we embrace failure. And then it's like, don't say that, you know, but, but it feels like that it feels like that people are becoming cool with it. I mean, not to make it a habit by any stretch, but sometimes it is okay. And, and, and a lot of times it's actually okay, but you're right. Being able to feel as though that you can just kind of let it rip yeah. is a massive thing. I think that's where our industry too, and really our world is helped by all of these tech companies emerging because there's such a point of view that you've got to be in beta and that's okay. And you've got to try things to get better. And I think that approach to just life and work is actually really positive for a lot of people to mm-hmm. not kind of take this old school model of like, okay, now think of the perfect thing to say and wait for the perfect time right. to say it and then say it and then your point's going to be heard and everything's going to be great. It's like perfect, I think, doesn't have as much of a place in our culture anymore. Right. And I, I get excited about creating an environment where everybody can feel like, okay, this isn't the perfect thing to say, but maybe if we all kind of chip in a little piece at it, it's right. going to get to someplace pretty great. Yeah, true. Why do we overcomplicate our work? Uh, I don't. You might be the first one that's chosen, though. Well, maybe first or second. I, this, yeah, not a lot of people choose this one. Yeah, it will. There were a lot of hard questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went for the ones that I was like, "Can I answer that?" Um, you know, I think we overcomplicate our work because we don't actually fully communicate with each other. Like I think a lot of the times that work gets overcomplicated is just because things get lost in translation or you start to try and answer something or create something that you think somebody else wants instead of doing what you think is actually the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're in a service industry, but which is great, but sometimes the greatest service we can provide is to actually push back on things or talk through it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And Every time that I've been on something that's been like super swirly and feels like a huge waste of our time and our clients is when we aren't actually clearly communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes, you know, you just end up adding bodies and more meetings and more work. And the email thread may be the death of all of us. Oh my God. Between email and Slack, it's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy how much we don't talk to each other, even though we're talking all the time. <laughs> Start emailing one person and next thing you know, 40 other people are on the thread. Right. Why? Yeah. It's just like we, we feel this safety in numbers, but it becomes like a codependence and then it's just nobody's actually landing the plane. Let's go to the must list. Okay. What would you say is a must do? I think that it's, really valuable to it's it's a lot of people will say this i'm sure but it's really valuable to get out of the office Mm -hmm. like sometimes you just have to close the computer or step away from your phone for a second especially as a strategist like you you can reach the end of the internet in google searches (laughs) and page nine thousand. right right and then at the end of the day it's just you got to observe people out in the world and kind of get a little bit of just your hit of humanity that you can't get 
sitting at the computer or in conference rooms all day. Right. And I think that that's one of the best things we can do for ourselves, not only for our health, but just for making work that is actually good. Sometimes we forget about people mm-hmm. and you just got to go out there and be around them and see them in their own environments a little bit more. Right. What I liked is you said advertising beyond sales because yeah, I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah. I mean, it's a chance like brands do matter in this world and they do Mm -hmm. have a responsibility to say something of substance and a brand can't grow just in an office building. Like it has to grow with the people that it is intended for. Yeah, exactly. When was a time recently where you got out of the office and you were like, Oh, that's, I'm going to file that one away. Well, it's funny because I well, you, live, you're in Venice. Yeah, so, I'm I mean, in it's Venice. Like you get that every ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, but you know, every place can be a little bit of a bubble. And fair. Recently, we had some guests in Venice, and we went down to the skate park for the weekend, which mm-hmm. is something that, even though I live very close to it, I never go. And it's such a tourist spot, but it was so incredible to just see people on their vacation, kind of so excited about the things that I pass every day and take for granted. Yeah, that it was just a good reminder to kind of open up your eyes a little bit and take a different route. So I was so happy I did it because then the next day when I went back into the office, I kind of had this different perspective, even though I hadn't even left the town I live in. Right. Well, it's funny because, you know, I would go to New York and you go to New York for work. And it's one thing when you take your family and you realize, oh, I'm looking at the city now through like my kid's eyes. And it is, I mean, it's unbelievably transformative. And it's funny because we talk about like the touristy stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you know, do this and we're going to get it. And then you realize, wait a second, this stuff is just sitting right here. Yeah. I mean, I've had moments, you know, I've, I fly a lot for work mm-hmm. and I've had moments where the plane is landing and I'm sitting on a window seat and I find myself actually looking out the window. And recently I looked behind me and there was a little kid who was looking out the window too. And he was so excited that we were landing mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe how much I take for granted. I mean, it's like the Louis CK thing of like, we're in the air and like right. you're complaining about the internet not working or whatever. Right, right, right. But I just realized like, oh my God, this is so incredible. I always feel like, well, I have to travel for work, but I got to be on a plane with a kid who was on his first flight and was flipping out over us landing. And I do it all the time. And it was just a good perspective change. And a good Louis C.K. reference. You got two right now. You got University (laughs) of Oregon, Louis C.K. You got to get a third one in there. Make it a three-piece. Everything, good things come in threes. What's a must experience? I really think that sitting through focus groups. Very entertaining. So entertaining, but so interesting too. I mean, you can go with like the really bad uh, you know, pictures we all get in our heads of the two-way glass and the, you know, all, all of the mirrors and everything. But what I think is so interesting is that just to be able to observe your audience in kind of more candid conversation, whether that's literally in a focus group room or just talking to somebody mm-hmm. as you're in a cab, getting the chance to really talk to people that your work is meant to impact is just super enlightening. And, you know, a lot of times focus groups and research are relegated to the strategists on a team or mm. to a researcher, but there's so much value for everybody, whatever your role is on a team to get exposure to that. Cause you start thinking about who's this actually for. Right. And you can start to put a face to them and it's not a slide in a deck. And it's, there, there's sort of the tried and true of focus groups, but there's, they've, they've evolved over time. I mean, it's not no longer sort of the Jack Donaghy 30 rock thing. If, if you say you like the show, I'll give you some pizza. <laughs> well, I do like pizza. So I do. Well, like sure. I, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's a crowd favorite. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
No, but it's true. And the, the, you know, focus groups could be anything, but I just think being able to talk to people that your work is meant to impact can just be so inspiring. And it's, it's just a good reminder of why we actually do what we do. What's a must read? I always recommend William Gibson's pattern recognition. I'm a big yeah, sci-fi you went, fan. Yeah. You went deep on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to be really cool. Uh, no, but you know, it's a sci-fi book and it's just about this dystopian future where you follow this, this woman who's kind of like a cool hunter, you know, she specializes in trends, but she's allergic to brands and branding and it's trippy and it kind of, <laughs> it's, it really makes you think about the role that brands play in our lives right. and what actually makes people care about things. And I've always found it just a good reminder. I, I end up rereading it every few years because, you know, it was written, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, but it's Who still knew? pretty relevant today. <laughs> Who yeah. knew? William Gibson did. There you go. What's a must learn? Learning how to have conversation with people and mm-hmm actually be interested in what they're saying and asking good questions. It sounds so basic, but whatever you do in life, it's a skill to be able to have conversation with people. And Mm -hmm. you've obviously learned it well. I I fell into it backwards, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But being able to ask questions is so important Mm because it's how you obviously learn about people, but it's also just how your world starts to expand a little bit more when you See it through other people's eyes. Yeah. And you and I were kind of joking off microphone about my age. I'm 40, uh, 48. But over that time, you know, it's like you accumulate all that. And I think what I've learned over the years is that you're right. The curiosity piece is really important, but there's also that empathy piece mm-hmm. and connection piece. So, you know, I've been unbelievably fortunate to be, you know, everywhere in the United States and Canada and, you know, travel and have these like experiences and opportunities that allow me to connect, even if it's on just like the simplest level to find something that's common. I mean, yeah. your, your heritage is Japanese. Part of your heritage is Japanese. I worked for a Japanese bank. Yeah. We got something to talk about. And I, <laughs> and I think that you're right. I mean, it's like you accumulate all that, but I think if you, you're right, if you, if you are inquisitive and you are interviewing people, I mean, essentially yeah. that's kind of a cool thing. It's really cool. And I think it gives you a different perspective on the world mm-hmm. than, and you know, now is as relevant a time as any to talk about it, but where it feels like we're all so different and we couldn't possibly understand each other that when you do strip it back and just have a conversation with another human being, you see that we're a lot more similar than not. I think that's just a really awesome reminder about the importance of being a human that's empathetic with others because it's, it's what actually has a positive impact on our world. You know, I just, I I think it's really important to take the time to get to see stuff from other people's perspectives. That's what our jobs are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the, the value we bring to this crazy world we live in. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? I'm curious about, there's so much stuff that we talk about right now in our industry about diversity and equality. And I think it's good to have all of those as conversation points, but I'm also just curious about what people in our industry could be doing to help the world a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have such a big responsibility with kind of being these stewards of brands that have such an impact on our planet that the more we could think about the skills that we have are so applicable beyond an ad. And I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. And, you know, 
how could we use those skills to actually make a positive impact on the world? I think it's so cool that people from this industry are now getting into kind of different business setups, whether they're at startups or at these big tech companies working on product where they can actually impact things more. So that's a positive step. But I wish we'd all kind of hold ourselves a little bit more accountable to use our skills for good beyond mm-hmm. just the clients we work for. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be for those clients, but I think it can also just be for bigger societal issues we care about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much, but it's a really crazy industry of creativity. And I think we can apply it to more than we do right now. I'd love to see a brand. So, uh, so this is a sort of disjointed thought pretty much my life, but <laughs> you know, the idea is, is that, you know, there are some brands, you know, take a Patagonia that mm-hmm. was built on that, right? You have other brands that are catching up. Some are way behind. So those that are kind of catching up are those that are way behind. The brand itself might not necessarily be sophisticated enough to tackle an issue. I mean, of course, that there are several things that regulatory, et cetera, et cetera, that, yeah. you know, that notwithstanding. But I'd love to see a brand go to an agency and say, you know what? We're going to pay you for this. Yeah. But we're going to peel out this X amount of time so that you can focus on something that's going to make a difference in the world. Yeah. But it's like it's sort of subsidizing it, I think. And I think it does need to be subsidized because we all have the best of intentions, but we don't always have the luxury of time. Yeah. And I would love to see brands just kind of take a, take a stand on that. It's like, well, well, you know, we'll get there yeah. and we need to get there and we will get there. But in the meantime, why don't you guys just what you care about. I would love to see brands do that. Yeah, I would love to see that. And I think it's also on agencies to be more proactive with that too. Yeah. I think sometimes we get so stuck in our lanes and like the thing that we have to deliver immediately that if we just lean in a little bit more and think, okay, what's the thing that this brand should actually be doing regardless of format? that's where really interesting stuff starts to happen. And so, you know, brands and agencies, it is a partnership. And I think it's as much on agencies as it is on brands to kind of create those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. I think peeling off some of that time to think about, all right, what's the stuff we aren't talking about that we should be, kind of like your question. That's a pretty good exercise for brands to go through too because I think they'd realize it doesn't always cost a lot of money too. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's shocking to me is, And I think we're getting better at it. Like we've got such a playbook of, well, to be a big brand, I've got to do X, Y, Z and, you know, run these big spots and do these big billboards. But when we actually think about what what actually matters for what business challenge we're up against, that's where pretty interesting solutions come out of that. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about what they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that what we really need to be thinking about as a group of humans in this industry and in this world is how we can better support each other and find ways to work together to make positive impact. And so, you know, we were talking earlier about when am I at my best? And it's when I'm around people where I feel safe enough to say the stupid thing. And we all have opportunities to create those environments every day. And it's in the the littlest stuff of the your body language in a meeting or the way you react to somebody walking by them down the hall. But they all make an impact in kind of 
us feeling the confidence to say or do what we think is actually right. I think that's when the real magic happens. And so, you know, my hope for everybody is that we can start to be a little bit more collaborative, come from a little bit more of a place of yes, not feel like it's a competition to be the most right person in the room, but actually remember that we're kind of all in this together as as cheesy as that might sound. And we all have that impact on an environment. And I think, you know, sometimes we forget you've we have a somewhat hierarchical system from time to time in this business culture and everybody from the most junior person in the room to the most senior everyone has a seat at the table so it's kind of if you've got that seat it's on you to create a positive environment and make that time worth it so one of the biggest things we can do is just support each other and i think that's going to get to better work for everybody As we wrap up the show, we like one last piece of advice or wisdom. So what would be your last word? Be unafraid to say the stupid thing. I mean, it's really been a theme of today and right. probably what, what this whole... I'd rather enjoy that like. though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but be unafraid to say the stupid thing. You never know where it's going to take you. You know, we missed a third reference here. We've got Oregon Ducks, where you want. I got, we got Louis C.K., yeah. I mean, I threw a 30 Rock reference in there, but that doesn't count because it's coming from me. So within context here, yeah, oh, I, don't, I don't know if we have a third reference. Yeah, the pressure's really on. No, I know. I, I know. Is it bad that the that I'm just going to George Costanza? It's not a lie if you believe it. There you go. <laughs> you went. You, you you took the Seinfeld route, and the Seinfeld route is always the right route. Right. It's timeless. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. Thanks, really man. enjoyed the time, and best wishes for continued success. And you guys are doing really cool stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to do in the future. Thanks, Doug.